be unto you in peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning I would like for us, as well as for our recording, those listening later, to read a portion of our gospel text as we consider it this morning. We'll start in the middle where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask of nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in this life of sorrow and grief, of anguish, of sadness, that you are here with us, guiding us, protecting us, comforting us through your word and through the means of grace. You have defeated sin, death, and the devil on that cross, and you've risen again to show us who you truly are. Help us to look to you always in our time of need so that we may be comforted by your grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, today, like I said in the beginning, is Mother's Day. We were thankful for our mothers who brought us into the world, especially our Christian mothers who brought us up in the faith, directed our eyes and our attention to the one who saved them, who also has saved us through his work on the cross. And I think it's fitting that Jesus uses the analogy here, this uh, picture of the, the woman giving birth, especially in today's day and age, where a child is seen as nothing less than something to throw away, to get rid of. Even if it just ruins how you live the rest of your life, it's a baby is seen as an enemy rather than a gift. A lot of times that is because of the pain that they know about, hear about, of childbearing and of childbirth. And of the suffering that goes with it. And that we know of from the scriptures as well. But what they don't know is the joy of having that baby in your arms when he or she is born. And that joy that lasts a lifetime, even though there are struggles when there's discipline, bad behavior, that joy still remains because the Lord has given you this child. It is a gift. It is your child. In our text this morning in the gospel lesson, it reminds us again of the disciples and of Jesus going to the cross to die a little while he will no longer be with them. In a little while, they will see him again. But they, they're not quite sure what this means, which is very familiar and very uh, like the disciples, not figuring out Christ's teaching 
not figuring out exactly who he is and what he's come to do. We saw it a few weeks ago, I think, when the disciples were in that room, locked in, locked in that room, people coming after them, afraid of what the Jews might do to them because of what they did to Christ. A little while, you will not see me. What does this mean? They were afraid. But a little while, you will see me. When we are not certain of what Christ is, who he is, what he's come to do, not certain of his teachings like the disciples were so often, we tend to be overcome by that fear. And that fear will then turn into, lots of times anyways, to sin. Take, for example, and poor Peter, he's used for this a lot, I think. Peter, even when Jesus was on trial, because of that lack of confidence in who Jesus is, lack of knowledge of who Jesus is, we see it even in the garden. Understanding who Jesus is and what he's come to do, we see Peter denying Christ three times in the midst of that persecution that he was possibly could suffer. Aren't you a follower of that man? No. What would they do to him if he said yes? Would they do the same thing they're about to do to Jesus? So he denied Jesus three times. In the midst of any kind of persecution or suffering, that can be a typical response to save ourselves. But there's also, when we, we might also say the words correctly. Yes, I believe in Jesus and who he is and what he's come to do. But then we might not believe it in our hearts. Take, for example, in the early church, Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't think that God could see their secret acts or detect their lies. But he could. And they suffered the consequences for it. Sometimes we too, in our lives, we pretend that Jesus can't see us in our own private areas, in our own secret sins. It's like as if we don't know who Jesus is, that he's God, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere. He knows your very thoughts. But he's also the loving God, the merciful God. And we forget that all of our joy is in him. But yet we run to these sins, the ones that we think that he can't see, and we partake in them, thinking that it will give us more joy. It will give us more pleasure. When we are confused about who Jesus is and what he's come to do, those temptations can overtake us. But even in the midst of persecution or trial, that becomes even more of an issue. And whatever may come up in our society, if the government wants to come and tell us we can't preach the gospel, or if a friend is coming after you, making fun of you for your faith in Christ, any type of fear of persecution or ridicule <coughs> can lead us to, to sin. 
Maybe that's turning our back on God and thinking that he is no longer right or no longer good and following the ways of the world, the ways that our friends that are persecuting us are following. But yet we know that that end is hopeless. A little while you will see me. A little while you will no longer see me, rather, and then you will see me again, Jesus says. In our epistle lesson, uh, Peter talks about being subject to our masters with, res- with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. He says, For this is a gracious thing when, a mindful, when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if one you sin, you are beaten for it and you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. In this life, we will endure much suffering, as Christ told us we would, for bearing his name. And it will come in many shapes and sizes, different pictures. Suffering will come, whether it be persecution, health, it'll come. But what will we do in those situations? Will we cling to Jesus, who is our joy? Or will we try to cling to something else? Will we buckle in fear and of that suffering? If you notice in our Old Testament lesson, we know that God's mercy endures forever. When we're going through such terrible times, whether it is a health issue or persecution, listen to these words of the prophet going through a similar thing. My endurance is perished. I'm running out of energy to endure these things. I can't do it anymore. And so has my hope from the Lord. I'm running low on holding on to that hope of the Lord. How much? How much longer? So he says, remember my affliction and my wanderings. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But even in the midst of utter despair and suffering, he calls one thing to mind. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. No matter how low you're running, on that endurance, hanging on to that hope. You can wake up every morning knowing that the Lord's mercies are for you, that his love is steadfast, never wavering. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. 
We have one place to turn to to have that eternal joy that Christ has promised us when we are going through these tough times. It is Jesus Christ our Lord who has died for our sins and raised for our justification. He told his disciples he'll be gone in a little while. But they did. He did come back to see them when he raised from that tomb. He appeared to his disciples, appeared even again to Peter. Remember when in that troublesome time of possible persecution, he appears to Peter while he is fishing, downtrodden, wondering what all had happened, doesn't recognize Jesus at first. Jesus comes to him, has a conversation with Peter. Jesus, Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Every time Peter answers in the affirmative, Jesus knew the sin that was in Peter, the shame that he must have felt. But now Jesus is forgiving Peter of that sin, absolving him of that. Jesus knows your secret sins as well all your sins, but he comes to you. And as we learned last week, he knows you and calls you by name and calls you to himself. I love you. You are my child. Come to me. Seek me in this time of trouble. Are you feeling shame because of your sin? Are you feeling guilty? It is removed. Come to my table. Receive my body and blood. And know that you are forgiven. Hear the words of absolution. And know that those stains have been removed. I remember your sins no more. One place we can turn to when we're feeling that shame, when we buckled in fear, persecution, or maybe a temptation, or any time, and that is Jesus Christ. As we have hope in him because he is Raised from the dead. Living. This life, we think, when you're younger, is really long. I got so much life to live. And then when you get older, you're like, where has life gone? Sometimes we're understanding, a little while you will see me. It has been a long time, Lord. Where are you? Your life, if you think about it, and the older you get, it becomes more of a realization that this life is short in comparison with eternity. And that joy that Christ has given you is eternal. Even now, the joy you have in Christ is eternal. And nothing surpasses it. So hold on to it even in your darkest moments, for you are his child and he has given you this eternal joy that will last forever. Jesus says later in the text that uh, in that time you'll ask nothing of me, but then he goes on to say that whatever you ask in my father's name, he will give it to you.
Early on in the text, they were wondering what all this teaching meant. What does he mean by this? What does he mean by that? All the time, the disciples were wondering about his teachings. Even Jesus would come to them. Who do the people say I am? Who do you say I am? But when they see Jesus again, all that is gone. They know who he is. He is the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Come to take away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God. And so they'll have no doubts about who he is. They know who he is. And come Pentecost, the Spirit coming down on his people there. And through the means of grace and baptism, Christ has granted you that faith. He's granted you that faith. We know who the Lord is. We know what he has come to do. And he is good and gracious and merciful. And that mercy lasts forever. And there's never an end to it. But we know in this life we have hardships. We have troubles. So we read in the rest of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul and others saying, pray without ceasing. It's not a prayer of what does this mean or who he is, but it's we know who he is, what he's come to do, and what he has promised us. That joy in the midst of suffering and sorrow. So we pray without ceasing, knowing that he is our only hope. It's just like a mother. The joy she has when she has her child in her arms that first time. That joy will last throughout that child's life and her life. And when there is those troubles, when there's conflicts between parent and child, that joy remains because that's still your child, even though you have to discipline them sometimes. <coughs> Christ, our Father, does that for us as well. He disciplines us sometimes because we are his children. But knowing that it will produce greater faith and endurance We have joy in the midst of suffering because Christ is raised and he is living and he is our only hope. So hold on to his hope, which is eternal. Amen. Please rise for the blessing. May the grace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep and guard your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.